Amen. Wow. <laughs> Got to come out Wednesday to see that. It's a great movie. You are going to enjoy it. So um, uh, we're continuing our series on family first today. Uh, so hopefully you have enjoyed that. Thank you, Mama and Papa, for the opportunity to get to speak today. Uh, can you give it up for your pastor and uh, Janie? Aren't they just the greatest? Love you guys. I have enjoyed uh, being a part of the series where you have preached together, and that's been a lot of fun. How many of you have enjoyed that? Have my mom up here uh, every Sunday. You'll get to see that again next week. That'll be kind of the conclusion as we kind of wrap things up then on Father's Day. Uh, and uh, I thought that was so much fun. I thought, oh, Charity should join us today. Uh, and um, she said, actually, you were invited to preach. We were not invited to preach. So I'm just going to sit here in the front row and support you. So thank you for being here to support me in that capacity. Uh, and so as we continue this series on relationships and uh, family, uh, today we're going to talk about the real nitty-gritty. We're going to get right into it uh, and talk about marital intimacy. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> talk about communication. Uh, <laughs> way easier to talk about communication. Um, they say that the first uh, seven years of marriage is the hardest, and um, uh, Charity and I have been married for seven years, so that's way to go. We made it through. <laughs> Hopefully, it gets better from here. <laughs> but let me tell you this, if that was the hardest... Well, hey, we'll see what the next year is like. Um, <laughs> it was great. It was a great seven years. Um, and uh, I will talk some about uh, marriage today, but I don't want to stand up here like a marriage expert. Uh, and, and I'm not just going to talk about marriage. I want to talk about relationships between you and your parents, you and your children, your coworkers, uh, employees, teammates, uh, and just any kind of relationship that you have. Uh, but when, especially when it comes to marriage, you know, I know some of us, uh, some of you here have been married for more than 40 years. Anybody? Mama and Papa? Oh, wow. Give it up for those that have been married for more than 40 years. And if you've been married for less than 40 years, good for you too. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up 29 years this week. 11 years. Oh, you did this. Okay. <laughs> we praise God. All right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and so I just, I don't want to say that I'm an expert on marriage or that I'm an expert on communication or anything like that, uh, but I do want to say that um, I want to tell you what the Bible has to say about communication and also what some great uh, marriage experts, Dr. Les Parrott, he's a great uh, psychologist, and um, I've learned a lot from him, and I'll share some of those uh, uh, things that I've learned uh, in this uh, sermon today. But, you know, uh, I, I have some friends that are going to be getting married in July. And a lot of times I'll go to a wedding and people will say, hey, do you have any advice for the young couple uh, that, are, that, that are getting married? What's the number one thing you can tell them? And next to putting Jesus Christ as the center of your life and your marriage, next to that, I think that humility and communication are just the top thing that you can do to have a successful marriage. Amen? I don't know if that's like, okay, that's the top thing or whatever. I just think that's what I think. And um, let me tell you this. Uh, for the past seven years, I know that my marriage would not have been as happy and healthy and successful if it were not for my humility. Okay? 
Okay, I mean, I got an argument with Charity the other day, and I was trying to get her to say, because she's a really humble person, uh, and I was just trying to get her to admit that she's more humble than I am. Like, any objective person could see that. But she just wouldn't. Do you agree? Okay, my parents agree. Uh, she wouldn't say it, though. So she wins that argument on who's the most. I had no problem saying that I'm more humble than she is. Uh, but James 4, 6 says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And since I'm not the most qualified person to speak on humility, I'll spend the rest of my time talking about communication. <laughs> Alrighty? If you were here, you could do the humble part. Um, she's too humble to say that. So um, a couple weeks ago, my grandparents were here, and that was really fun. And their trip was almost canceled. They actually did cancel it. Uh, and then they said, okay, well, we're going to come. That same weekend, I was planning on driving five and a half hours north to West Virginia to preach at a church. And then driving back home, having dinner with my grandparents and my family. And then the next day, driving five and a half hours south to South Carolina to be an event and speak there for a moment and then turn around and come back before doing more things. And that trip was almost canceled because there was a gas shortage. All this stuff, all because uh, the pipeline that carries gas, I guess from Texas over here to this part of the country, uh, was hacked. It was blocked and there wasn't gas flowing. And I think the same thing happens to us with our communication. You might have an intent to love someone but that love is not being communicated. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you might want something good for that person, and you're trying to get your, oh man, if you could hear my heart, you know, but they're not hearing your heart. They're, 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 something else is being communicated, but there's a block. I think the enemy, actually, Satan, is actually attacking communication and blocking it and stopping it. So I have today three keys to unblocking that pipeline of communication. And as Pastor mentioned, if you don't already have your iPhone out or grab a piece of paper, I have a lot of notes, some really good things. What I want to do today is give you some tools to put into your tool belt or your, your toolbox, or if you're my dad, your coffee can, <laughs> wherever you put your tools. <laughs> and um, when you need these tools, then you can reach over and grab them, and, uh, and you can utilize them. So Point number one on how to, that key to unblocking that pipeline of communication is learn how to fight fair. I'm not saying that you're not going to fight, and fight's not the best word to use in this situation, but it does kind of provoke a little emotion because I don't know if about you, if you, I know I've never been in a fight, uh, especially with my wife, that I care to talk about today. <laughs> but, we all know what it's like to be in an argument or a disagreement. We could put it like that. But learn how to fight fair. Uh, when we were, before we got married, we did pre-marriage counseling, and we received a lot of helpful tools. I want to share some of them with you today. These uh, I learned in pre-marriage counseling, but they, I believe, extend beyond marriage. Maybe you, think about this. Who do you fight with? Do you fight with your boss? Do you fight with your kids? <laughs> do not negotiate with terrorists, okay? <laughs> That's tip number one. Selah, Judah, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and sometimes we fight. <laughs> the other day, Selah came home and she said, do you want to fight? 
<laughs> I said, no. She was quoting a book. She says, you want to fight? It's like, you're adorable. How can I fight with you? Five minutes later, <laughs> we were fighting. Well, anyway, let me move on. Fighting fair. Uh, in any relationship that you have, here we go. Tip number one is you don't have to talk about it now, but, but you do have to talk about it. This tool is really good. It's one of my favorites because I'm married to someone who I say, we're going to fix this now because there's a problem and I don't want to go another step without fixing this problem. The person I'm married to says, what problem? <laughs> I'm going to pretend that there is no issue and I'm going to go over here and not talk about it. So this tool comes up sometimes when I say, all right, um, you obviously recognize that there is an issue, but we don't have to talk about it now. But we have to talk about it within the next 24 hours. I'll let you choose when we talk about it. And she'll say, okay, after dinner, or something like that. And, and this is biblical because Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Amen? Amen? And so, you know, every night when I was a kid, growing up in my parents' house, my parents would say, Good night, love you, sleep well. Or sleep, yeah, you said sleep good. Charity made me change it to sleep well. <laughs> sleep good, see you in the morning. <laughs> and so I, that translated to our marriage, where now we say good night, let you sleep well, see you in the morning. And Selah adds sweet dreams. That's just a cute little thing that she adds. And so um, even when we're angry, we'll still say that. It might not be 100% heartfelt. I mean, maybe, I don't know. But we'll, we'll say that because we just want to acknowledge, hey, you know what? We're not going to let the sun go down on our wrath. We might have disagreements. We might have arguments. But we still love each other at the end of the day. Amen? Next step is, uh, next little tool is use I feel statements instead of assuming you know how the other person feels. Uh, an example of this would be, uh, instead of saying, you know what, you're upset because I didn't come home right after work. You could say, I feel like you're upset because I didn't come home right after work. This allows the other person to save face. This allows, uh, this, this shows that you respect that person enough to not assume you know what's going on inside of their mind and in their heart. And it allows that person to say, all right, I'm not going to argue with the way that you feel, but that isn't how I feel. Like, you might feel that way, but I disagree. I think I'm upset because blah, blah, blah. And you could go down that way. So just using I feel statements and speaking of your own experience, you, nobody can argue with how you feel. And if you feel that's the way this person's it, then, that, then that's you. Um, Proverbs 15.1 says, uh, and, and we, at least on Sundays on the way to church, I don't know if this was a memory verse or what, but growing up, this verse was quoted so many times uh, in our van. It was the van that I distinctly remember this because I wasn't, it, growing up, we had a, a, a Jeep Cherokee. This was before three rows of seating, but we actually invented three rows of seating. I guess my parents didn't want to have a station wagon, and they also didn't believe in seat belts, so I was just in the trunk of the Jeep. But hearing this verse, I remember actually being in a seatbelt. So that just makes me think it was a van. It says, here's the verse. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
And I remember, was it Jessica's memory verse or I don't know what it was, but she was a, she's a softball player. You guys, baseball team, she would take you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> she's got that. She used to have a T-shirt that says tenacity with the definition. And she wore that thing so proudly because she defines tenacity. Um, but anyway, that, that verse was just spoken over our family. It's like, we're all getting in the car. I, I, I told the first service, you know, with two kids, I can see why I would need to quote this verse uh, often. A soft answer turns away wrath. Um, but with four kids growing up, it's just like requirement. All right, buckle up. All right, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Um, and so these are some uh, really helpful tools in helping you just say, I feel. That's a soft answer. Here's the next tool. Using the phrase, what I'm hearing you say is dot, dot, dot. So when you are in an argument, this next step is really good when things are getting uncomfortable and you don't really want to be talking to the other person or you're just really trying to manipulate the other person into saying whatever you want them to say. I know you don't know what that feels like, but I I do. Um, When Charity and I are arguing, we're having like disagreement and it's getting tense. There's like tension builds. Oftentimes, I will break that tension by saying this. All right, Charity, so what I'm hearing you say is, and then I repeat back to her what she is saying, and then she can correct me on whether or not that's what she said, and then I will get a chance to speak. Let me give you an example. So right now, we're house hunting, right? And there are no homes on the market. And... It's very difficult. It gets kind of tense, especially in the past, before when we bought this house, when we were, um, I would say, okay, so Charity's going, she's, wah, 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 wah. you know, I'm like, you're just talking, talking, talking. I'm like, all right, I'm just like disagreeing with everything she's saying. So then I'll say, all right, so what I'm hearing you say is you want to buy an ugly house as long as there's a lot of square footage inside. And she'll say, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I care more about the layout and square footage than curb appeal. And then I'll repeat back and I'll say, all right, so you're saying you care less about curb appeal, more about square footage and the layout. And she'll say, yes, that's what I'm saying. Now it's my turn to speak. All right, so then I'll get to say whatever it is that I want to say without interruption. If you're taking notes, underline that, without interruption. Too many times when we're arguing, the only reason you're still in the room is because you're waiting to say something, not because you're listening to the other person. With this exercise, it forces you to listen because if I'm spaced out, you know, and we've got Charlie Brown and Peanuts over here just like doing the thing, then... Um, Well, I have to listen to it again because I have to repeat back what she says. And this is just an excellent exercise. Now, this is not how we talk when we're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, on a date. This is just reserved for when things are getting tense, things are getting really uncomfortable. We're both exercising humility, but we are not communicating. Then I break it by saying, All right, so what I'm hearing you say is, and then Charity thinks, okay, so we're going there. This is what we're doing now. And these are rules of engagement for a fight that we agreed upon before we got married. And so she already agreed. You know, this wasn't in our marriage vows. It's not like, I, Marcus, take you. It was not that 
but it was something that we agreed upon. We said, all right, this is how we're going to fight. And when it gets to that point, and I encourage you to do that as well. As you're taking notes today, talk to the person you're in a relationship with. Maybe it's your children today, and you go home and say, all right, when there's a disagreement, we're going to let you talk. And I'm going to let you talk uninterrupted but then I'm going to repeat it back. So that is just a tool. You might think that that's weird. I have shared this with people before that they admitted that this is weird and this is not something that they want to do. And there's no pressure to do that. But just keep it in the back of your mind. Keep it in your tool belt and think, all right, I might use that someday. If you don't hear anything else and hear this, listen to the person while they're talking to you. All right, because um, James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So in doing this exercise, it at least forces you to, to listen to what the Bible says in that way. Uh, a couple more tips for you here before we move on to point number two, uh, along with fighting fair, would be this. No degrading language. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. You know, you don't necessarily know, or at least I don't know, the power of language as it is communicated. And so if you can just agree to leaving that type of degrading language just out of the conversation. If you could just agree to that beforehand. Say, all right, we're just not going to bring that in. You might be really trying to get a punch in there by, well, hey, just say, all right, today, we're just going to set that aside, you know? And, um, and, and the last one, I don't have a scripture for this one, but it says, uh, take a time out if needed. You might be heated. You might be wanting to play the little game of like, all right, so what I'm hearing you say is I'm a jerk and I love my mother more than you. And you're like, okay, maybe we should need a timeout. That's not what I said. And just say, let's revisit. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to clear my head. I'm going to clear the air. And then I'm going to come back and we can talk about this later. That might be a good thing to do. Amen? All righty. So... Make this agreement with your, with your person that you're in a relationship with, your children, your spouse, whomever. But keep this in mind. I just gave you a lot of knowledge that I feel is, is very helpful. But 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says that if you have, among other things, if you have this knowledge, but you do not have love, then you have nothing. Or actually it says, I am nothing. So love is important. But love can be tricky. Uh, we have spoken about this next point in depth, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But point number two is speak their language. This is especially helpful for children. You might be thinking just, you know, in a, in a relationship with someone that you love on that type of level. But think about it in all types of terms. Everyone has a language. Um, we went at Dollywood yesterday, and... The, actually, on, we were there for two days, but on Friday, I was getting really frustrated. We come into the theme park, and there's music, right? And then there's an ice cream store, and then there's another restaurant, then there's a gift shop, then there's like a leather shop, and then there's a blacksmith. There's all this kind of stuff. Then I go up to this other pavilion, and I go to the guy, and I'm asking for directions, right? And I say, I thought there were rides here for kids, and I can't find any rides. <laughs> it's, I, I'm hot. And Judah has to take a nap in like two hours. <laughs> and he's like, all right, calm down. <laughs> you need to go through that tunnel and you'll find all the little kitty rides that you could imagine over there. I said, okay, thank you. Imagine trying to get directions from someone, but you don't even speak the same language. 
Uh, imagine they speak Spanish and you communicate through American Sign Language. Now you're trying to go and say, hey, how do I, you know, get to the kitty part? And it would be very difficult. In the same way, oftentimes you might want to communicate with your spouse to say, hey, I love you. Or more likely, you want your spouse to communicate with you or your children or whomever and say, please tell me you love me. I don't feel loved. I've got this love bucket and it's empty and I need it to be filled up. And I just need you. I just need to know you love me. And they're trying to tell you they love you, but you're speaking different languages. So with that in mind, here are the five uh, love languages. You probably have a primary and a secondary of these, uh, and it's quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, and gifts. And you can find out what your love language is at fivelovelanguages.com. It's the number five, lovelanguages.com. And then take the little quiz. It's a lot of fun. And then you can find out kind of what yours is. So for instance, charities is acts of service, whereas I am words of affirmation. So uh, if I want to tell Charity that I love her, what my go-to is is to be like, oh, I love you, and I love your hair. Oh, and your eyes are so beautiful, and I love your smile. And she just says, stop, all right? <laughs> That's, you get like one or two compliments a day before I start feeling really uncomfortable. That's kind of how she, uh, you know, she, she kind of, we both grew up in families where uh, our parents showered us with words but I, I love it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's this normal for me. That's how I want to receive love. I want, you know, uh, and she's like, no, 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 that's, uh, that's uncomfortable for me. She wants me to uh, clean the house and take the garbage out. If you love me, you'll take the garbage out, right? Words are cheap. <laughs> Anybody can say I love you, but it's a little bit more difficult to take the garbage out. And <laughs> that diaper pail in Judah's room has been full for a couple of days now. And uh, that's how you, you deep tissue massage. You know, that's like, if you love me. I'm, I'm a different, I'm a different. I want her to say, I love you with words. I want, I'm up here preaching right now. We're going to go home, go to lunch. And I'll be like, hey, how was it? And she'll be like, oh yeah, that was good. And I'll say, and? <laughs> like, words of arrangement, like don't. I, she could clean the house all day long, take care of the kids, work her tail off. And I come home. And it's not that I don't appreciate it, because I really do appreciate all of those things that she's doing as acts of love. And she's saying, I love you, with all of the things that she's doing all day long. But if she wants me to really feel like I'm loved, she just needs to tell me. Open her mouth. And I feel like you got the better end of the deal. Like, but whatever, that's your language. Or at least that's what she tells me, because she doesn't want to take the trash out. Uh, and so you can um, learn what your language is as well. Let's move on to the last point, the last key to unblocking this uh, communication. Speak, excuse me, oh, it's not. Invite God into your relationship. I have in God, invite God into your marriage on the screen. That's kind of what I was thinking when I wrote that. But really, it's invite God into your marriage, into your marriage and your relationship. It could be with your children. It could be, honestly, it could be at, at work, you know, with your coworkers. You can invite God into that. But let's talk about marriage for a second. You probably know that 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. Well, I don't know if it was before we got married or in that first year of marriage, but it was, it was early on, and we were listening to an 
audiobook about marriage, just being intentional, trying to invest in our relationship. And we heard a startling statistic that said that, I think it was Christian, but uh, couples that pray together daily, those marriages only end in divorce 1% to 2% of the time. Not 50%, but 1% to 2%. And so uh, my whole takeaway from that book was, okay, well, we got to do all this other stuff too, but we're going to pray together every day because that sounds like an easy thing to do, you know? Um, and so that's what we do. Sometimes we're really tired. Like my parents have shared, uh, they're the pastors of this church, they've shared, uh, they wake up and have devotions and coffee and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's hard for us to do right now in this life stage. Not impossible, but if we don't do anything else, at night when we lay down in bed, I will put my hand over on Charity's shoulder and I will just say a prayer. Because I honestly, I just kind of want to check that box to be like, all right, well, <laughs> It's not going to be us, you know. <laughs> and I think about it like every single night. I think about that statistic. Uh, it made an impact on me. And um, I don't want to say, I hesitated to even talk about divorce or share that statistic because I didn't want to bring shame into this equation. I know so many of us in this room have already experienced divorce. And I want you to know, though, that Romans 8 says that there is therefore now no condemnation. Uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Jesus said that he didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but he came into this world to save the world. Uh, at Grace Church, we are for you. If you've been divorced, if you're married, whatever your situation is, we want what God wants for you. But because that statistic was so just emblazoned into my memory, I felt like it would be helpful to share today. Um, but we love you, and we do believe in reconciliation. We believe in healing. You might be here today and still struggling with um, an abusive past or hurtful things that others have said for you. Uh, I'll touch on that in just a moment. But um, you know what? There is a place of healing for you as well here today. So um, as we invite God into our relationships, Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So there are things that I can tell you that a psychologist said or that someone with 40 years of marriage could tell you. But there are also things that God can do in the supernatural that we could never explain, or that a psychologist could never say, okay, well, as long as you do this, this, and this, as long as you fight fair, as long as you, we can bring God in. And there's a whole nother level of mercy and grace and forgiveness that we are able to walk in that we couldn't do in the natural. Sometimes we just need the supernatural to come in and to heal us, amen? And so there are two ways that I want to encourage you to invite God into your life, into your, into your marriage. Uh, one would be praying to God for your spouse, and the other praying with your spouse to God. And so there are some great devotionals. We have the Our Daily Bread little devotional. We have the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app has wonderful devotions, coming to church together and doing all of that. Um, you might be thinking, well, my, my, my spouse is not going to go for that because they are far from God. They won't even come to church with me. I want to encourage you with 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. It says, wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. Talking about how if you continue steadfastly praying for them, even if they won't allow you to pray with them, then you never know 
what God is going to do through you to see that person come to know Jesus Christ. So be steadfast. Don't give up. Uh, God is on your side. And together with God, you can keep believing for your marriage or your relationship. Amen? If you're dating somebody and they won't let you pray with them, find somebody else. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think so. But hey, I'm not a marriage counselor. Um, but you're not married to that person, so find somebody else. <laughs> it's, my, it's my thought. That was not biblical, but that was me. Probably. It probably is biblical. Do not be unequally yoked. Um, could the worship team come back at this time? I want to mention something about just communication in general. I want you to think about someone. You know, I believe that the devil is trying to use attacks on communication to destroy relationships. You love this person in your life. It could be a son or a daughter. It could be a husband or a wife. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You love that person, and communication is just being attacked. You know, in war, one of the first things that the uh, opposing force tries to do is to attack communication. You know, satellites or walkie-talkies or whatever they use these days. Um, try to attack communication, because if you can't communicate freely, everything starts to crumble. And you might have somebody that's far from God in your life or their, the relationship, however it is, is strained. Well, I want to pray for that person right now. So as you're thinking about who that is, uh, could you stand with me today? I have a little prayer guide here that I found recently. And I just want to pray for several different things. And if you're still taking notes, you can write these scripture verses down and then kind of go back to them later. But um, Matthew 22, 37 gives us this as we pray. Lord, we ask that you would fill our families with love for you, that they would love you with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind. Lord, I pray that you'd empower uh, the husbands in this room and the wives to run with endurance the race that is set before them and focus on pleasing you. Lord, I pray that you would give our children and those that are coming to our minds wisdom, strength, and perseverance for the good works which you prepared beforehand for them to do according to the unique ways that you've designed them, Ephesians 2.10. Lord, we pray Psalm 97.10 over the people uh, in our lives that we're thinking about now, that they may share a hatred of evil and experience your protection. Lord, flood our uh, significant others with peace and faith, like your word talks about in Isaiah 26.3. Lord, I pray that you would rest your favor on our families and establish the work of our hands. Lord, I pray for, for ourselves, Lord, that you enable us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. God, I pray that you would help, uh, help that person we're thinking of to trust you with their whole heart, not to lean on their own understanding. Lord, for the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, that person that has walked away from you, Lord, I pray that you'd help them, like Proverbs 3, 5 says, to turn to you instead of to their own understanding. And lastly, Lord, because you oppose the proud and give grace to the humble, James 4, 6, pray that you'd instill a genuine sense of humility into all of our hearts, like it says in Isaiah 66, 2. 
So maybe you're here today and as I uh, mentioned, inviting God into your relationship, maybe you've never invited God into your life. Um, today I wanna ask you, I want you to hear this, God loves you. He loves you so much that nothing could ever separate you from the love of God, not even the wrong things that you've done. It's called sin. But our sin does separate us from God, not from His love, but our sin separates us from God, and we deserve to be punished because of our sins. However, Jesus Christ, who is God's Son, came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He was never separated from God. He didn't deserve to be punished, but yet He died on a cross. He was punished. His back was whipped. His hands were nailed to a cross. He was tortured for us. He took our place. He died and then he rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit, the power of, the, of God, rose Jesus from the dead, proving that he is more powerful than sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he offers us a free gift of eternal life that if we only believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead for us, that if we only admit that we've sinned and then confess with our mouth that Jesus is the in charge of our life, that we're going to surrender our life to him, then you will not have to be punished for your sins, but the punishment that Jesus endured would be applied to your life. And then when you die, you will not be punished in hell for eternity, but instead you will rejoice with God forever for all of eternity. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, if you have never made a decision today that you want to live for God and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, but today you want to become new in Christ Jesus, then I want you to raise your hand up nice and high. Or if you've made that decision a long time ago and you're, you've walked away from God, maybe you made that, the decision in Sunday school, but you said, you know, I'm not living for God. I'm not surrendered to Jesus Christ, but today I want to make a decision. And if that's you, raise your hand. And lastly, if you're just not sure, if you said, if I died today, I don't know what would happen to me. I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. But today you want to be sure. And you can be sure today by asking Jesus to forgive you and making that decision to live for him. Then I want you to raise your hand. If that's you, any, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But just raise your hand nice and high if you say, today, I want to become a new person. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you for the hands that have been raised in this place. If you raised your hand or even if you didn't, would you repeat after me nice and loud? Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Give each other a great big hand clap. If you made that decision for the first time, I want you to see me afterwards. I'll be in the lobby. Um, let's go ahead and worship. And uh, thank you so much for your time as we remember to put God first in our families, in our relationships. God bless you. She's
good word this morning. Come on, give Marcus just a hand of appreciation. Thank you, Marcus. Great, great job. So a couple takeaways really quickly. Fight fair, right? Speak their language. Most importantly, invite God into any relationship that you have. It could be a team. It could be a business, employment. Obviously, a marriage relationship. Invite God in. But do it with love, humility, and good communication. What a great word. What a great foundation to walk away with. Jane and I will be speaking again next week for the final time for this series. Maybe not the final time for this year, but it's been a great, great series. And we just want to be able to build relationships within the community of believers and maybe those who don't believe so that we can show that Jesus is the way. Amen. We're going to pray for the offering. We ask God to bless you. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for giving in advance. You can give on the way out the kiosk online on the app. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching online, we appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for that word today. Thank you, Lord, that we take away, Father, Lord, those things, Lord, the, the passions. Lord, not only do we take away, Lord, what you've spoken through Marcus for us today, we give back to you, Father. So we pray today for those who are give of the bring of their tithe weekly or monthly, Father. Bless those who give online. We pray, Father Lord, that you give them the contract, you give them the favor, you give them the business, the increase, the, the promotion, the blessing, Father. Give them the sale. We thank you, Father God, for the blessing that you've blessed the great church people with, Lord. They can give back into the community. Now bless them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen god bless you we love you we'll see you next time see you wednesday night is there donuts out in the cafe thank you for joining us for today's service if god is impacting your life through this ministry join us in reaching others by investing today you can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give we can't wait to see you next week